when we were here last time. We were at an interesting moment. You had entered the dark city and being drawn along with all of the Menads, the worshippers of Abizu, you were compelled to enter this gigantic domed temple in the middle of which is this horrific floating rotating monstrosity of a tree intertwined with writhing snake-like forms and black dripping foul roots going down into a bottomless abyss there was this spinning three-eyed three-faced head and these other eyes in the trunk of the tree that were lighting up this vast and hideous room with their beams and abizu standing at the edge of the abyss, holding her arms aloft, beckoning to her worshippers, declared, Mother, Mother mistress, mistress, I beseech thee, give, give me the power, and, and I shall bring, bring the two worlds, worlds together. together. I have I brought, brought with me the blood sacrifice, sacrifice that thou desirest. And as she's speaking, the thousands of Berliners who now crowd the hall around this pit of death, they start edging forwards, preparing themselves to hurl themselves into the pit under their power. And you are, for a moment, I suppose, frozen in horror at the, at the thought of what's about to happen. And then, shaking yourselves, you you realise it's, it's up to you. The quivering, crying form of Henry Shatan Hoffman, he's just kind of sunk to his knees next to, I believe it was Safina had him, or someone who... I was holding on to him, but I think we got separated in the press of the crowd. Yes, well, he's not too far away from you, but he's on his knees, and he's just shaking and weeping and crying. He's completely broken at this point. And Abizu is beckoning the crowd. So, what do you do, guys? <clears throat> well, I, I lost my, my guy, right? Yes. Hans, or whatever his name was. You jumped off. I, he made his sanity roll, I seem to remember, so he hasn't run headlong into the pit yet, but he's he started to ed- edge forward now with the rest. Right. I'm looking for Max, because I, I have a plan, but it requires muscle that I do not have. Yeah, given that you're the only ones kind of standing still, I think you can pick each other out. You're probably no more than a dozen yards away from each other, each of you maybe spread out in this vast temple. Yeah, you see Max. Yeah, I'm going to try to get his attention. And I'm headed for Henry. Okay. And I just want to grab him by the collar. You head over to him. Max, you, you hear uh, and see Anne-Marie waving at you and calling you your name. Yeah, I, I rush right over. Very concerned. Max, Max, she needs to sacrifice this goddess, and I think you know who needs to be sacrificed. Our tall, beautiful, ebon-skinned wannabe. The Astarte? Are you talking about Astarte? She's not truly Astarte. Come on. What do you want to do? I think we need to push her into the pit. Okay. Fraulein, it's, it's too dangerous for you. I'll do it. Right. Uh, I will draw my little pistol. I can kneecap her first. Now, how far away is she from us at the moment? She's probably about 30, 40 yards away. If you run now, you can get to her through the throng, but they're going to be... I mean, they seem to be just heading headlong for this pit. They'll be diving into it very soon. Yeah. So there's a procession of people running into the pit, right? I mean, it's more like a throng, a crowd. Yeah, they're just all over. They're just all heading for this, for the rim of the pit from all different directions. Okay, well, I might try and get sort of close a bit of distance by joining the throng. Yes. I, I assume they're going into the pit, so they're going close to her? 
I mean, some of them are close to her, but most of them aren't because you know they they they're they're just trying to get to the edges as wherever they can to to make their final dive into hell, I suppose. Okay, I'd like to move closer until I have a, like a clear run at her. Sure. And then I'm going to run and sort of hip and shoulder tackle her forwards. I guess I would be trying to put all my body weight behind, push her, and stop myself. So I think Shaton Hoffman and I were closer to her. Perhaps, yeah, sure. And, like, closer to the edge, yes. if I remember correctly. Sure. So if I've got him by the collar and I see Max coming... Oh, dear. <laughs> I'm going to start dragging uh, Chaton Hoffman towards Abazu. Oh, wonderful. But, like, my idea is that if, if she turns to face me, she won't be facing Max. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. And when I get close to the edge, I'll start shouting at her. Okay. Wonderful. Katroyan and Safina, what are you doing? Well, first thing I'm doing is I'm trying to clutch something solid because I'm in the midst of a, a bout of agoraphobia. Yes. Maybe there's some paving stones or maybe there's some bits of broken statuary or something heavy that you can cling on to if that's what you want to do. Yeah, I, I mean, actually, th- that right now is probably my foremost thing, even more than this awful spectacle. I mean, it's awful that a bunch of people are about to sacrifice themselves like lemmings into a pit, but if they're weak enough to sacrifice themselves like lemmings into a pit, that's bad, but me floating off into space is my biggest fear. Okay, yeah, that sounds about right. Okay, grabbing onto the masonry. Safina, what about you? I'm going to try, because I'm right next to him, I'm going to try to like help him up and be like, we got to meet up with the others, they're over there. Okay. I don't know if I can make it. Hold on to me. You're not that solid. <laughs> uh, we, we already established that she is stronger than you. She has that street urchin strength. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. she's got 60 and you've got 50. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Come on. You gotta keep moving. Katarian, are you gonna... Alrighty. Yes. Are you gonna die on your feet or live on your knees? That's the question, Katarian. Well, I'm gonna stand with trepidation and fear. Okay. Wonderful, wonderful. Clinging to... Little Safina, who's evidently quite strong. Yes. And small and wiry. Small and wiry. Wiry Safina. So, I think the obvious thing is, Eckhart, your act of bravado, picking up Henry Schaffenhoffman, who gives no resistance, you just grab him and start dragging him towards the edge of the pit. She sees you doing this. And she says, yes, yes, bring my love to me. Bring my love to me. My cheating bastard of a love. Did he love me well? Did this cur give himself to me? Or did he betray me like all men will do in the end? And she's looking at you rather than at him. I can't. And I say, he loved you. He was the only one who ever really loved you. And here he stands, broken. Well, that is what he deserves then. He should be tossed away. I motion like I'm going to uh, raise my pistol to his head. I say, he should die first and not be uh, given the sacrament of uh, gesturing over my shoulder. No, he He shall not die die by by such such mundane mundane means. He will go into the pit of the dead where he'll be rendered piece by piece. He will become food for the dead. Put your gun down. And she just, her eyes just flash white. At that moment, you and all your friends... You all suddenly feel this intense stabbing pain in your stomachs. 
You can feel these things moving as if by her command, starting to... I press the pistol against the back of his head. Well, before you do that, you have to make okay. a power roll. Everyone, in fact, all of you have to make a power roll. You're also going to take some damage. Can Wait, that. shit. Not good at this anymore. Okay, so... Never was good at it to begin with. Oh. No! Oh boy. Oh my god. No! Yeah. That's quite the tale. Oh boy. Yeah. So the next thing that happens is you all take a d6 damage from these things that are starting to writhe around and seemingly churn up your insides. Boy. I am dead. Well, you're not dead. Bring it down to zero. Remember, you can spend double the amount of luck to halve the amount of damage. Okay. So, Safina. You that can bring me to one HP, and it's round, <laughs> and it's rounded up. So <laughs> all right, I have, I'm at one. You're at one. Okay. Well, it's better than zero. Oh, I only have one hit point. Okay, in that case, yes. you're going to go unconscious unless you make a power roll. Okay. Oh, good time to get a hard success. So those of you that spent luck, did you spend so much luck that you go below 30? That's the one thing I should check with you before I give you No, I'm help. at 35. I'm at 30. You're at 30. My God, you're on one hit point and 30 luck. This is, this is Correct. unreal. Okay. I'm at 35. You're at 35. You're in yeah. real big trouble right now, Katrina, yeah. and I'll tell you why. Because either way, you're going down to zero. You're going to need all your luck now to stay conscious. You're now in that same state of mind. So unless anyone can give you first aid, you're going to have to spend one luck this round, and then two luck the next round, and then it doubles up and doubles up and doubles up for you to right. stay conscious. So it's up to you how, what you do, but that's how, what, how it's going to play out. So you immediately have to spend one luck to stay conscious from this pain. Okay, so 34... Okay, so before we go forward, just because I, I think I confused. So that other thing that we made, that power roll? Yes. Uh, where uh, you, I need to spend how much? Because I think I'll do it. I have 91 luck, so. Yeah, you need to spend... It has to be hard, right? Uh-huh. Or extreme? Uh, no, extreme, extreme. You need to spend... Oh, th- okay. Well, okay. You need to spend 39 luck. You know, I'll do it. Do it. Because I have 91 yeah. luck. Why not? Yeah. I got 52 luck. All right, so what that means is that... Can't take it with you. Yeah, you can't take it with you. So what that means is that basically... Eckhart, you're the only one now that actually didn't make the roll, correct? The, the power roll, is that right? Eckhart, or was that? Who else didn't make an extreme power roll? I didn't make it, and I wanted to spend luck. How much did I have to spend? I had to spend fifty. You need to spend luck. fifty-five. It seems luck. really important that I resist a power roll. Uh, it probably is, but how yeah, much would that take you down to? Which is crazy, to? but it also seems really important that. Okay, how much would that take you down to? Okay, well you're above thirty. That's the key. Let's keep it above 30. Oh, wow, you're all so at the edge here. This do is... it. I don't think we have any other plan. <laughs> no, because you see Eckhart struggling to lift the pistol up to put it to Henry's temple, and he can't. He literally can't. He is now under the control of Abizu, at least right now. The rest of you, by just gritting your teeth and, I don't know, thinking of something else, you've managed to withstand her charm, her hold on you. But the good thing is that she is distracted by this struggle of wills with with Eckhart. So yeah, Max, you can do this thing now. You can charge her. Yeah, but right before I do, I just turn to Anne-Marie and just sort of nod my head at her, kind of, I don't know, maybe saying goodbye. I will air kiss yes. to him, and I will, I will level my pistol. My plan is to, just as he's about to make contact, I want to shoot her. Okay. 
Right. To hope, hoping that weakens her. I'm, I'm not guessing a bullet does anything, but... And I sprint with all my might, and I'm basically trying to rugby tackle or sort of NFL tackle, so using my shoulders driving forward. I'm going to try and stop myself from falling in the pit, but I think I'm more focused more focused on getting her into the pit. Okay, so first things first. Amory. I'm going for it. Bang, bang, bang. All right, here we go. Three shots. Okay, well, I missed. Not, yeah, not great, it, but... you got a 73, so it failed. Okay, here we go. Shoot again. Ooh, a hard success. And uh, for six damage, that matters. I don't know. And then one more. A regular success for seven damage. So your bullet, they just go into her, and she doesn't even seem to notice them. And you actually see the two bullets that strike her, they just fall with a clink to the ground. But she is slightly distracted by the noise, and she turns to you and she says, You fool, I'm invulnerable. At the precise moment... That's what they all say. <laughs> and at that precise moment, Max goes slamming into her, doing a full like shoulder charge rugby tackle. And because you were firing, and because Henry Shatan Hoffman and Eckhart were there making that sort of scene, you're actually going to get two bonus dice on your fighting brawl roll. So make this a good one, Thank Max. God it's a fighting brawl. Make this a good one. <laughs> How much luck do you have left? I don't have much luck. Okay. Well, oh my oh. god, you nearly screwed that up. You nearly screwed that up. But the amazing thing is because you were charging her, she doesn't actually get to fight back because she was distracted. If you'd have tried to grapple her, she would have. But it actually, the way it's it's designed, that because you, you were running at her, you just take her down. You just slam into her, grabbing her around the waist. And she screams as she topples backwards into this pit. But here's the problem. Your momentum carries you forward into the pit as well. And here's what you need to do. First, you need to make a dex roll to try and grab the edge of the pit. And this one has to succeed. Okay. Oh, oh no! Wow. That was pretty perfect. Yeah, I mean, we got to go out, right? Yeah. You roll the fumble. Tell me what happens. Yeah. I think I probably flip over her, so I have my momentum sort of takes me, and she's falling backwards, and I, my body probably just goes sort of somersaulting over her, so I have no chance of grabbing that ledge, I imagine. No, no, no chance, no chance. But you see her falling as well, the two of you are both falling. You're falling into this pit, and as you're going down, as you're going down, uh, Max, what you see is probably would have been enough to, to drive you completely insane because the abyss does anyone want to go to the edge and try and save him or anything at this point before i describe it i would for sure if i can i don't know if i'd be able to but i would i definitely would have run after him what about the rest of you but i'm weak well if i'm close enough i would try to grab him okay so you you're both moving to the edge what about the other two we're still trying to make our way over there have we made our way over there i mean you can run to try and i'm trying to stay conscious yeah 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 no i think i'm just slow and steady moving forward i don't want to push it because i'm at one hp and yeah. marco's like fucked so we're just gonna my main action at this point is i'm going unconscious i'm done i'm done for you can actually try and do first aid on yourself as long as you don't fumble you won't make it any worse oh please yes i would like to do that so tell me what you do because you've got you've got this wrenching pain in your stomach i'm trying first aid but yeah, but what are you? What are you doing? I mean, how are you? What, what are you doing? You've got this terrible pain in your stomach, like you're being torn apart from the inside. I make myself vomit. Oh, good. 
Good. I love it. You shove your fingers down your throat. Yes, I shove my fingers down my throat, and so I'm, I'll, I'll roll. Okay. Oh, you did it! Hooray! You what did happens? It. Okay, what happens is first some vomit comes out, and then this horrible white worm thing comes out, followed by, by half a dozen more in this splattering heap onto the ground. <laughs> They look like giant sperm with teeth. Giant sperm with teeth. Oh my! <laughs> that was in my stomach. Huh? Yeah, and you do yeah. get a D4 hit points back. Oh yes. And then you also have to make a sanity roll. Sanity roll. <laughs> oh man. If I get out of this with a trip to the loony bin, I am actually very, very lucky. So you've you've stabilized yourself. You're back to three hit points. So you're not going to keep. Three hit points. You're not going to have to keep losing luck to keep conscious. So that's good. So here comes the sanity roll, which is already down to thirty-three. Oh, but you made it! You made it! Oh, yeah. So I only lose three or no, something. No, no. Um, actually, you do lose one. Yeah, you have to lose one for that, which means I you're, you're going to have. And you you are indefinitely insane, aren't you? At this point. So I think it means you have to hit the real-time battle madness. Yes. Button. Yes. Oh, no. <laughs> yes. Again. Okay. Like, yep. Again. Real-time bout of madness. Oh, my. This is incredibly out of character for me, actually. <laughs> yeah. I think you need to be extremely proud of what you just threw up, Marco. Okay. I am extremely proud of what I just threw up, and in fact, at this point, I grab one of these squirming sperm teeth things, and I say, see this, Abizu, what you did, and I throw the damn thing into the pit. Wonderful. And I also pull out it, my Luger, and I make my way to Henry Chatan Hoffman. Oh my god. Right. Well, the rest of you, apart from Safina, the rest of you get to the edge of the pit, and you, just in time, because, and what you see is, it's awful. You see the form of your friend, Max, as he's tumbling down into this deep, deep abyss. Beside him is Abizu. She's kind of clutching onto him. They're in some kind of death embrace. And the abyss is a massive pit and the sides gradually incline to form a long cone. But you can't see the bottom of this cone. You know it must meet somewhere way, way beyond sight. It seemingly is bottomless. And the walls of the pit are composed of 11 million corpses all dressed in a variety of military uniforms, stacked and pressed together by the weight of their decaying comrades. The cadavers' arms reach out from the walls of the pit, their rotting throats giving voice to a mournful moan. These are the dead of the Great War, and they hunger for the flesh of the living. And you see Max and Abazu, they're falling, and you can see that the cone, they're getting closer and closer to the edge of the cone, until finally, they hit the sloping wall where they are grabbed by the hands of the dead, pulled in and devoured. Both of them, Abizu and Max, are eaten by the dead. And uh, the three of you that are looking in, or the two of you, I think, both have to make sanity rolls for seeing that. Oh, I'm so glad I'm not there. Oh, oh dear. Well, Anne-Marie, you only lose one. Can you spend um, luck on rolls? I forget. No, but you can spend luck on the result. So roll a d10, Eckhart. Right. Oh, boy. If you roll a 10, it, it won't make any difference. Uh-uh. 
Oh my god. Okay, well, I mean, you can spend 20 luck to make that a 5, but you're still going to have to make an intelligence roll. Either way, to see whether you have a bounce of madness. Right. Yeah, it's 5 will put me below my, uh... Yeah. Oh, oh, wow. You don't have a bounce of madness. So hang on, you took the full 10, is that right? Yep. Okay. Did that take you below your daily allowance? That... That's the, the number of the left. That's the number on the yeah, far right. Yeah, five would have. Oh, would it? Oh, in that case, it doesn't matter. You are indefinitely insane now, Mr. Eckhart. Shield. You are indefinitely insane. And you are definitely going to get a phobia right now. We're not even going to roll this because it's clear you're going to have a phobia of corpses now, of dead bodies. And roll a d10 for how many rounds oh. you're going to have to completely freak out. Oh. Well, you're just going to have to get away from here. You can't bear what you're seeing. For two rounds. Okay. Fine. That seems about right. That was exactly my rational plan anyway. Yeah. Now. I might have tried to take Chateau Hoffman with me before, but now I'm not gonna. I just let go and I run. Now, Max, you've been torn to pieces. Or at least that's what it looked like. How much luck do you have? I have 33 luck. Well. I have 33 luck, yeah. Okay. Fine. You're in luck. Hmm. So as soon as you saw Abizu starting to be torn limb from limb and her intestines being pulled out and being consumed by these corpses, she lets out this unearthly scream of anger, frustration, pain, and fear. And the whole temple starts to tremble and shake. There's a tremendous shriek that comes from the triple-headed effigy, this goddess above the tree as her eyes swivel downwards and she screams in fury that her daughter, her handmaid, has been killed and the whole temple begins to implode only to be interrupted by a sudden howling noise and the, and the sensation of a malign intelligence clutching at your minds and then everything goes black and Safina, Katroyan, yes, Eckhart and Anne-Marie you wake up in your beds Oh, my. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Do we have to make a sanity roll for waking up? <laughs> no. You, it's the weirdest thing that's happened. No, you don't. You don't. You don't. Whose bed do I wake up in? Well, here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing. Well, we'll deal with that in a minute. But the rest of you, you're fine. Do You know this happened. This was not a dream. Your, your minds are still almost torn asunder by the horror of what happened. You can hear outside in the streets from wherever it is that you sleep. I guess, Katrina, you're upstairs above the Café Sophie. Eckhart, you're in your apartment. Safina, you're in your alley. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> where we don't know where you... I have an apartment. It's like a boarding house above like a shop on, on one of the streets. Okay, so yeah. You can hear sounds coming from outside. And at first they're, they're disconcerting because it's, it's the sounds you've been hearing a lot, this kind of riotous cophony of crazed behaviour. And then it changes. The voices go down in intensity and in volume. And then you hear people saying to each other outside your windows, voices drifting up from the streets, people saying, What was that? Why are we here? Why don't you have any trousers on? And things like that. <laughs> and, <laughs> and things like that. And, and things like that. And it seems like 
the spell has been broken through your windows and maybe up above you in the alleyway, Safina, you see the last remnants of the mist, the fog being blown away by, by the last gust of wind and then the sun comes out and a stillness, Aww. a stillness sinks over the city. You've won. Wow. Abizu is gone. Cost. Yeah. And no one got hurt. Well, uh, <laughs> well, you know, one out of five. I mean, come on. I think it's a stuntman. That's really no better way to go. Right. It, it was pretty epic. What's your reaction as you hear and see and smell this? Katroyan, you first. What do you do? Well, the first thing I do is feel around my body and then feel for... I put my hands on the solidity of my mattress. <laughs> and I get up and I look out the window and I'm like, there's too much of a distance from my window across the street. I want to buy a new apartment that looks at a brick wall. Amazing. Eckhart, you're in your scuzzy one-room apartment above a, I don't know, gambling den or brothel or something. What, what do you do? It's a gambling den in the back of a butcher shop. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the smell of, of intestines is always assailing your nose. So what do you do? I probably get up and look around, realize where I am, and then just sort of do what I do every morning, which is like drag on my least filthy shirt, splash some water from a basin on my face, and uh, head down to the Sophie. <laughs> Safina. Question. Am I still at 1 HP? Uh, yeah. Do I still feel like crap. Alright, well, I'm gonna head for a medic. Yep. Do I know, like, a local low-cost clinic or something? Yeah, of course you do. Clinic or something? There's yeah. a guy at Cafe Sophie. Gonna head straight for there <laughs> and get myself patched up. Yeah. I mean, you just gotta hope he he's just the right amount of drunk, as we've right. decided. Right. Okay, so you right. head to the Cafe Sophie. Anne-Marie, you're in your little boarding house. Right. So I will wake up and uh, probably as some of the other girls, of course, I share it with like about five other dancers because we can't afford a, an apartment on our own. And they're kind of coming back after spending the night, whatever they were doing. But of course, now I'm awake. So I kind of uh, smile at them kind of uh, hesitantly and uh, step out, put my, pull a, a cloak around me or a, a sweater around me and head out into the street. She doesn't know where to go. She kind of wants to go to the Cafe Sophie to see where everybody is. But she also uh, is saddened by the loss of Max, and she doesn't feel like that'll be too real. So she probably spends several hours uh, wandering around the early morning streets uh, before she eventually heads to meet the rest of the, the group at the cafe. You know, she knows that, that Max uh, was heroic in what he did, and, and she wasn't surprised by that. But of course, she feels like, of course, uh, she had a big part in, you know, getting him to do it or, or, or suggesting he should do it. So she definitely feels responsible. So she's kind of saddened, saddened this morning, even with the sun coming out. And it is weird because... Although it seems like no time at all has passed, it's clear that somehow time has passed and maybe those echoes of voices coming up were, were from a different time, maybe weeks ago or even months ago because there's actually a, a dusting of snow everywhere and you realize that it's later in the year than it was and maybe weeks have passed and you all gather back at the Café Sophie. And Max. <laughs> yes. What was it like being torn to pieces? Well, I believe Henry said at the start of this session that there are worse things than dying. <laughs> and I think that has to have been it. I mean, Max was very strong. He was very 
sort of rigorous in his physical health. So it's like, it's probably the worst thing that could happen to it. Literally taking him apart bit by bit. Mm. And here's the thing, Max. Suddenly, the pain has gone and you open your eyes and you're sitting in a small room. There's warmth coming from the side of the room from some kind of oven or something. Maybe you're in a kitchen. It doesn't seem like a kitchen because there's all kinds of buckets of water and tools there as well. And then um, the door opens and a man comes in and he says, Oh, good. You are awake. How wonderful. Now don't be alarmed. I did what I could. And you realize, you recognize the man. It's Belshazzar, the doll maker. Oh, God. <laughs> he says, No, don't panic, Max. Don't panic. You are still you. I feel like there's a bunch <laughs> coming. I think I am, my instinctive reaction is to look look at my hands look at my body well I mean Down. your your body is um, normal body it seems I just say I, I'm dead I died I was torn limb from limb Belshazzar says yes yes you were but your essence survived Max that is what I put I'm sorry I'm just thinking about what Belshazzar means by essence <laughs> <laughs> no it's exactly what you think he means <laughs> You know those giant sperm with teeth? <laughs> he says, Your essence survived, my boy. That is what matters. Our gross material form is nothing. All I would say to you, just don't bump into any hard surfaces for at least a week. I say, what am I? What have you done? Well, this is life, my boy. This is life. You are now a mannequin mensch. And he says, and if you look in the mirror, you'll see my trademark just below your hairline at the back. I mean, an artist has to sign his work, doesn't he? That's creepy. Wow. Uh, and so, okay, I'm going to look in the mirror. <laughs> and there you see the Hebrew symbol for life. <laughs> so I'm Jewish now? <laughs> well, do you want to check? Wow. <laughs> I think I stand there in front of Melchizedek. I'm not speaking because I'm fighting the urge to strangle him <laughs> I think I don't know how to feel like a big part of me wants to just murder him for what he's done <laughs> he's taken away any agency I had but at the same time I can't do that he's I guess saved my life after a fashion look, look Max 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 I can see you are disturbed by this realization I know it is very hard to comprehend but you must understand, you are still you, deep down. This form you take, it is your vessel, like all of us, gross material that holds the soul. That is the wonder of life. I walk up to him, I put my hands on his shoulders. Not, not in a threatening way, but like sort of like I'm trying to get my point across. And I say, I'm a stuntman. <laughs> Bumping into hard services, this is what I do. <laughs> <laughs> what, am I, what am I supposed to do? Well, there's always good money to be made in modeling. Oh, man. Okay, I just drop my hands from him, just sort of resign. I don't know how to feel. I have no choice in this. I, I don't know what to do. I. And don't you have a face for radio? Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> I was at best a character actor. <laughs> and I start to leave. Um, do I recognize, am I in his workshop? Or? Yeah, you're, you're in the basement. I just slowly start to leave. And as I get to the door, I turn around and I say, I don't think I ever want to see you again. Uh, and I think that would be best for you. As you wish, Max, as you wish. But good luck. And I slowly open the door and stumble into the street. Yeah, very carefully. Don't get hit by any cars or bicycles yeah. <laughs> for a week. <laughs> Somebody throwing a rolled up newspaper. Yeah, you need, some t- you need time to set. To harden. I'm going to sh- very slowly shuffle back to my house, I think. Okay, wonderful. Now, apart from Max, who's had quite a nice little coda there, the other four of you, why don't you all just make uh, roll a d100? Whoever gets the lowest will get this final, final scene. Just a plain d100. Mm-hmm. All of us? Yeah. Safina? Mm-hmm. Oh. So far. Oh, Anne-Marie. Okay, so, postscript. It's two days before Christmas. Amory, you're riding a tram or a bus line back home after doing some Christmas shopping. What did you buy for your friends? Well, my friends are all dancers, so uh, I would buy, uh, you know, what we can't have, right? So they spend the whole time dancing and stuff, but what they really like is uh, is fine hats, so, uh-huh. which, you know, you can't wear dancing so, um, Nice. I went to a hat dealer. Yeah, yeah. I, I think probably all she did right after the, the initial day was she went back to the, the, to the club to just see if everybody was actually there and this was real. Yeah, and um, maybe you were reading the newspaper in the um, Berliner Record, or whatever, uh, Zeit. Berliner Zeitung. Berliner Zeitung. Yeah. yeah, there's an article that catches catches your eye. Big article on the uh, back page. It says, Murder in the Library. The, the date, of course, is 23rd of December, 1928. Police report that a young man, an employee of the Prussian State Library by the name of Ralph Schneider, was found dead at the library this morning when other employees arrived for work. Poor Mr. Schneider was discovered on the floor of the rare books and manuscripts wing. Police inform us that foul play is suspected and ask any members of the public with information that may pertain to this case to contact Inspector Krieg of the criminal police <laughs> straight away. Dr. F. Milkow, director of the Prussian State Library, reports that nothing seems to have gone missing from the rare books and manuscripts wing. Although, as the wing contains many thousands of volumes, it will take some time to make absolutely certain. Mr. Schneider was one of our brightest young librarians with a promising career ahead of him. His death is an absolute tragedy and has proven quite a blow to our staff, Dr. Milhau said in a statement to our reporter. We will naturally bring you further details of this shocking case as they become known to us. Yeah, good old Inspector Krieg. Anyway, yeah, so outside... I'm probably the wrong character for this. I don't think I even met Inspector Krieg. (laughs) No, no, you've never heard of him. Outside the steamy window, fat flakes of snow are beginning to fall, presaging a big winter storm due to blow in tonight. Most of the folks on the bus are doing their holiday shopping and getting ready for Christmas. The vehicle pulls to a stop. Idly, you notice ahead of you, there's a man. Something catches your eye. Right at the hairline on the back of his neck, the man bears a mark. That of Belshazzar, the doll maker. And as he stands up, you realize it's Max. This is a sanity check situation. He doesn't see you. <laughs> and the car is too crowded with holiday shoppers as he stands. And yeah, you're going to have to make a sanity roll. Oh boy. <laughs> I'm both happy and insane. Uh, 
Oh, <laughs> I'm more happy than insane. Yes. And for a moment, you, you feel like you're about to faint, but you keep holding yourself as this Max Mannequin gets to his feet and moves gingerly to the front of the bus. And I think that's where we will end. Nice. Yeah, and Marie thinks for a second. Uh, she thinks, well, you know what? In the movies, that's what always happens. So she smiles. <laughs> <laughs> And that is the end of the Dancers of Vice Horror and Ecstasy, my friends. What a ride that was. Wow. Woo-hoo. Woo, thanks, yeah, Andy. That was, that was fun. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. Gosh. So we've countermanded the first thing. It says mannequins, as a general rule, are unaware that they are mannequins. They think they're regular flesh and blood creatures. However, you, you, because of stuff, you do know. You're reborn, effectively, as you in the ma- ma- mannequin body. This bit doesn't isn't relevant. Clues to your true nature are few but significant, so you, you know. But you do get frequent episodes of Deja Vu as parts of your personality have been filled in by Belshazzar <laughs> from his experiences... <laughs> <laughs> so I am Jewish. Yes, you're now Jewish. <laughs> you somehow have developed this real taste for bagels. Secondly, you don't ever remember your dreams. In truth, you are incapable of dreaming. However, you you function mechanically exactly as per your flesh and blood fellows. You sweat, bleed, eat and excrete just like normal, with one important exception. If you take a major wound, your true nature is revealed for all to see. When you take an injury, yes. The result indicates where... So wherever the hit took place, there is now a massive gaping hole in the ceramic of your body which leaks a milky white substance shot through with blood. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. So basically that means if you ever take a hit that's more than half of your total, you're going to get a major... You don't suffer from it because we're playing pulp, but it's effectively a major wound. However, although minor wounds heal normally, a major wound requires Belshazzar to fix. Oh, right. (laughs) You know, I see him again. Uh, yeah, until that, you are going to see him again. Until that happens, you may never heal more than half your total hit points. So, yeah. If any of your friends witness this the first time, they have to make a sanity roll. So there you go. That's the only downside. Plus the, the fact that you can't dream. So that's probably a plus in Cthulhu. <laughs> probably honest. is. Yeah, there were there, there were quite a lot of bad dreams in the last in the last yeah. uh, game. I think in terms of what I would do eventually. I kind of would have just be feel like I have no purpose and nothing to do. And so I'd probably find myself going to Cafe Sophie eventually, maybe like in a week or two weeks after. Yeah. But that can be for another time. That can be for another time. <laughs>